I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Alone in the RV. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My girlfriend and I spent the better part of last year in an RV. It was pretty dope until the fun came to an abrupt end. We were driving along the 15 in Utah in this stretch of highway that has about 70 or 80 miles between rest stops. We had stopped in the desert a few times before, and we were low on gas, so I was trying to spot a good place to veer off. I searched too long, and the RV ended up running out of gas, so I pulled off into the desert. I had a spare can in the back, so it wasn't a problem. The momentum of the RV took us maybe a 100 yards away from the highway. We came to a stop, drank a few beers, and decided it was as good a place as any to call it a night. My girlfriend fell asleep when night fell, so I decided to use my little book lamp to get some reading done. A few chapters in, I started hearing something besides the wind from outside of the RV. It was a jingling sound like keys. It was getting closer. I sat straight up and my heart started racing. I listened very carefully and then heard it right outside of my window. There was breathing, maybe two feet away from where I was laying. Panting, actually, it sounded like a dog. I tried to reason for a second on why a dog would be out here. Maybe it was hungry. I heard it chewing on something outside. I inched my way up to the window to take a look. In the moonlight, I saw a brown and tattered dog with its head twisted sideways. He was chewing on my tire. I stared for another second, and my head grazed the window. The dog heard it and turned his head up and looked straight at me, right in my eyes. It had this really discerning look of intelligence on its face, and it was grinning. Then he took off running into the desert. I almost shit my pants. I suddenly felt very vulnerable in my little RV. What the hell was that dog doing out here? I then also remembered that I had decided to wait until the morning to put more gas in the tank. F that. 
I sat motionless in bed for maybe a minute or two, frozen. Then I felt a surge of momentum, and I got up, put on my pants, and grabbed the bat and gas can with one hand. I opened the door with the other, and I charged for the tank, scanning the horizon with my eyes and ears. I put the gas can down, opened up the tank, tilted the gas can in, and waited. I remember this being the worst. Now that I had to wait for the can to empty, my mind started drifting again. I realized how cold and windy and quiet it was in the desert. I couldn't help but wonder what was out there in the jagged, unforgiving landscape. I wished that I had bought a gun. Then I thought I heard something on the other side of the RV, just faintest sound. I bent down a little to look under the RV, and I saw a children's book on the other side, nestled in the sand. Something about table manners with a kid on the front, about to eat. It was near where I'd put my chair to watch the sunset a few hours before. But I would have noticed it then. I dropped that gas can and ran. I threw open the door, and in a flash I was in the driver's seat, turning on the engine. As it started up, I turned to see my girlfriend wake up in the bed at the back of the RV. Sorry, baby, we've got to go, I said. She looked at me and asked why, but then something caught her eye to my right. I saw her face peel back in a terrifying scream. I turned and saw the door had been thrown open again, and there was a man stepping into the RV. He was already looking at me and smiling. He had these awful, jangled, and blackened teeth. I remember now that he also had what I can only describe as a very old bib on. It had some crusty, dark maroon and brown stains on it. I slammed the gas in the RV, lurched forward, throwing him out the door. I then proceeded to jam it to the highway. My girlfriend had fainted, and I just drove for an hour or so in silence. She finally woke up. To this day, I let her believe that that horrible man in the RV was just a nightmare. It was rural hill country, Texas, 2005. We had a couple acres of land with the majority of the property, pretty much all but the house. The second house, the shed and the driveway being complete surrounded by trees. I am five, got in the back of our family, can getting ready to go to the store. My dad was walking from the shed, getting ready to take me and my brother. Em six. We peek out the back window, looking back at our dad, as we see from the right side forest, a large, skinny, solid white creature, with long arms and legs run out bipedal. It ran just past our dad. I was young, so bear with me, but it couldn't have been more than fifty feet away. We watched it run, and all the way past him directly to our shed, where it jumped on all fours and crawled under. It was propped up on concrete bricks, probably about eight inches maximum. My brother and I returned looks to each other, and in our young age, we started crying. We were basically inaudibly crying in the moment, but later on, they claimed they didn't believe us. Almost twenty years later, and my brother and I can still describe in full detail to each other how it was relative to the house and shed and other things. My mother tells me she believes me now. She said creepy stuff happened all the time there. That moment gave me a fear of the outside for a long time. However, if I could, I would like to see it again. I just have to know what it is. Saw some skin crawler stuff, and then saw this sub, and I'm kind of torn between what it is. I was camping near the town of Rogue River in Oregon one night by myself, pretty deep in the woods after my friend's quote, taking his own life, unquote. We'd go camping together quite often, and I felt the need to get out of town and get my thoughts straight. I always slept on the ground in an army bivvy with MSS and the inflatable pad. I always carried while camping as we'd shoot our rifles and get drunk. Well, that night I got my fire stoked and started downing the tequila until I passed out. I woke up with my phone dead and the fire just being embers. I was freezing as I didn't seal my bivy all the way and had my head and upper torso exposed. I called it a good a time as any to puke and piss. 
I got out of my bivy and walked over to a tree near my camp and undid my trousers. It was very quiet. At night, it's usually quiet, but it was a different kind of quiet. It made me feel very uneasy. I finished up and made my way back to camp, still needing to puke and feeling sobered up, but still messed up. A sense of unease still provoked within me. I grabbed my awk and slung it to make me feel safer as I tried to find some sticks to stoke the fire back to life. My biggest mistake was losing my flashlight deep in my rucksack. I exhausted all the sticks near my camp and got the fire going a little. I started to walk towards the stream that faced south of my camp that had a steep hill that went to a dead part of the forest, which always gave me the spooks. I could have sworn I saw someone staring at me from the top of the hill line. I yelled out to it, and it did not move. I freaked out and threatened to shoot it. It still didn't move, so I shot at it a couple of rounds. No ear pro, and so my ears rang like a mother. I had a slant break, so between the flashes and being deaf, I lost sight of whatever was staring at me. It scared the hell out of me, and I do not go camping there by myself anymore. I try not to go hiking there anymore either at least in the dead forest. It's weird my side of the forest, which is north of the creek, has very good vibes during the day. The south has bad vibes all around. I still have distinct memories of Grandpa Bert's brother from when I was a young child. I was probably five or six the last time I actually saw him. The large-bellied old man gave me a high five before saying goodbye. My grandpa wasn't close to his brother, and my dad tells me that they got into a fight many years ago, resulting in a cold relationship. This is only matters because I found my grandpa's brother's antique bag among his possessions when he passed away. I came across the bag when I was helping clean out my grandfather's old place after he died. My grandmother, who was absolutely destroyed by the loss, let me go through his belongings to find sentimentally valuable items. I enjoyed this work and found myself fascinated with the old objects he had collected over the years. It wasn't until I nearly cleaned out the place entirely that I found the old black doctor's bag tucked beneath some boxes. The leather holding the bag together was worn and tearing, which gave the bag a very old feel. The outside had the letters LPM embroidered, which were the initials of Bert's brother. I found it puzzling as to why my grandfather would have this because of his relationship with his brother, who had also passed a couple years before Bert. I didn't open the bag until I got home and was happy I waited, because I knew my grandmother couldn't handle its contents. Inside were hundreds of old papers, ranging from bank notes and loans to receipts for purchases in the early 1900s. Among the many fragile papers was a thick stack bound together by a piece of twine. These papers were on a much higher quality parchment and looked distinctly different from the rest of the piles of paper. Upon my careful unwrapping of the twine, I soon discovered they were legal documents for the foundation of a county... To sum up a bulk of the papers, many simply were documents confirming the application for a new county in California. I cannot share which county because it is still around today, but I can say that it is quite small and would be considered relatively unknown. I soon found myself itching to get home from work each day to do more research on the county and scour through the many fascinating documents. Two days I later found three large court documents that caught me completely off guard. The case involved my distant relative of the same last name, the founder of the county, against the state of California. The charges were for manslaughter, negligence, and endangerment. However, it wasn't the charges that were most interesting. No, what really caught my attention was the newspaper article attached to the two court documents. The article read something like this, Update, Critical Condition, and Another Missing. The local county man injured in yesterday's violent incident is still in critical condition after his discovery off 2nd Street. Sheriff Lawrence is declaring a state of emergency for the entire county, this due to the disappearance of Robert Warren, who authorities say went missing after leaving his home late Monday night. 
Farmers are urged to finish work days before sundown to prevent further incidences. Still no word on who may be behind these terrible events, leaving the county residents in fear over a potential serial killer. The mayor and founder of the county is now being pressed for a lack of action and preparation. I read on and discovered that two other farmers, Jack Bonfield and Shep Lucas, had been attacked on their farms before those previously mentioned. Mr. Bonfield's body was discovered just outside his property line only a couple days after his disappearance, while Mr. Lucas was said to still be missing from his farm. The writer of the article stressed the vigilance of farmers because they were the ones being attacked on their land. This puzzled me because farmers are usually the most capable of defending themselves. Why would someone target them? There was nothing else in the pile containing the information about the county, and I actually grew upset that I wasn't going to figure out what happened. Internet searches proved to be useless, and I simply had to know what actually happened all those years ago. After nearly tearing the bag apart, I finally found what I was looking for tucked beneath the soft fabric on the bottom. It was just one single paper, but it was at least something. Written on the paper was a letter that was dated three days before the article and began with the words, Dear Mr. Mayor. The writer went on in hardly legible writing. I've been a farmer here since before we were a county nearly ten years, and ain't never seen what I saw two night ago. Mister, this thing was huge. Nearly got off with two of my steers. Thing was so damn big it dragged them by their hooves nearly fifty yards. I ain't never been one to tell lies or cry wolf. All I'm saying is that you gotta get someone out here. I've talked to the sheriff and he isn't worth a damn. You gotta believe me. Please just do some investigating because I ain't about to lose my farm over something like this. I know you're a good man and will do the right thing. Thank you kindly, Jack Bonfield. My heart caught in my throat when I read the name. It had to be the same Jack Bonfield that was mentioned in the paper. I guess there's only one thing I really know for sure. Something strange happened in that county. Something that needed to be hidden. I personally think Jack did see something. I also think it was the same thing that attacked the other farmers. What really happened, though, we will probably never find out. I'm crap at explaining things, but I'll give it my best shot. I'm from the United Kingdom. Me and my girlfriend and dog stayed in a cabin on someone's field in North Devon. The farmer's house was about one minute walk away, but apart from that, it was just fields and country lanes, which look like they don't get used very often. The cabin is in a field with a fenced-off part for the dog to roam around in freely around 100 yards of space. Similar to a football pitch, then in front of overgrown field with a lake next to it. I've always been scared of looking out of windows at night. Always shut my window and draw the curtains, etc. It was around 2 a.m. when I heard movement outside. Quite heavy sounding. I know there's badgers or deer in the countryside, so didn't really take any notice until I heard it brush against the cabin. Maybe a deer was sniffing or scratching against the cabin. Then I heard a quiet grunt, but sounded very deep-sounding, followed by a breathing sound, which was quite fast. Did not sound like a deer, etc., as I can't imagine their breathing to be deep and quite fast. I led there, still trying to make out what could be a couple yards away from me on the other side of the wooden wall. I hear walk off around the back of the cabin, then come back right outside my window. And I mean literally right outside, but I couldn't see anything through the curtain as it was. Really thick. Then the worst sound I could ever imagine happened, tapping on my window. This did not sound like anything I've heard. It sounded like whatever was tapping the window was really hard, like what tapping a knife on glass would sound like. I literally froze and put the blanket in my mouth to make my breathing quiet. It tapped again, and then nothing for a few seconds. Before I heard the kitchen window get tapped, then the bathroom window. I knew this wasn't a dream because I near enough had a panic attack and was sweating. It stopped after the bathroom window, and I heard a running away, followed by a shrieking sound in the distance, getting further and further away. 
After that, I just led there, still not wanting to move or make a sound. It was like he'd just come over to have a nose and see what was what. Any ideas what this could have been? A goose in Chevlon Canyon in Arizona. I don't think I've ever run like that with a full backpack on before or since. Also screamed like a little girl. Serious answer. Also in Chevlon. Spent an entire night in the mid-1990s with my back to a tree listening to a large animal moving around. I had a flashlight with me, but it was pretty crappy, and all I could see were eyes looking back. Had my dog with me, and she was growling and barking the whole night. Clearly something out there, and I'd seen bear sign the evening before. When morning came, the large animals proved to be elk grazing in the meadow around me. Oh boy, get way out in the wilderness and you'll find some crazy stuff. While hiking out in the Six Rivers Forest, I found a circle of standing stones about 30 feet across with a four or five foot mound of bones and carcasses in the middle. I never went back, but I have the site logged in my GPS. Another time I was hiking on a logging road and heard a crunch from a little ways into the trees. Figured it was a deer and kept walking. Turned around again to see if it was a deer and maybe like 15 feet behind me was a mountain lion that had been following me. I very carefully turned to face it and backed away. Fortunately for me, she followed for a bit but then left. I assumed she had cubs nearby and was making sure I wasn't a threat. But boy, howdy, those things are too quiet for how big they are. Yet another time I was hiking in the Sierras over Silver Pass and found most of the first one-third of a horse, just absolutely eviscerated in the middle of the trail. Bear prints everywhere, claw marks all down the horse bits. My first reaction was, wow, followed by that bear probably wants to finish this horse later, and I hightailed it out of there. When I told the rangers at the other end of the trail, they remarked, not again. There's also countless times I've been in a tent or bivy or camping cowboy style and coyotes or bears or etc. come snuffling through camp in the middle of the night. It's terrifying the first few times, but really they want your garbage, not you personally, so as long as food and waste are packed correctly, it's never been a problem for me. I lived in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. The date was June 1, 2013. I used to wake up at 3.30 a.m. to take a bath and then go on the enclosed porch where I could watch the news and have coffee before I left for work on the day shift. While I was sitting on the couch watching TV and drinking my coffee, the TV glitched and a slight wind picked up. It was kind of a balmy morning, so I had the main door open with the screen door closed and the bottom of the screen door to ventilate the porch. Something drew my attention to the door, and when I looked at the glass portion of the window, I saw some type of entity. It looked like I had big eyes and a hand. I quickly took a photograph, and it disappeared in about a minute. After that incident, I was always nervous to sit on the porch. One morning it was raining out, and I had the door open. I looked up, and somebody's dog came and peeked his head in the door. Scared the heck out of me. I was a military policeman in the United States Army. I have been a police officer for almost 15 years. So I was hesitant reporting this, but maybe you can shed some light on it. So I've been thinking a lot recently of a session I had with a couple of friends in an Ouija board three years ago. I used to believe in spirits and be really into the occult, but this experience kind of spooked me away and I don't know what I believe right now. Well, here's the story. Let me know what you make of it. So I was with three or four friends in a girl's basement. We were all into the occult and supernatural stuff and brought out the Uija board to mess around. We contacted a spirit. She said she was good and asked her what her name was. She said Emily and Six. 
We asked a couple of random questions and treated her like we would a real six-year-old. Then someone got the idea to ask her how she died. Big mistake. And she spelled out, Um. At this point, I thought I recognized the spirit and took my hands off the board. I kept asking questions that I knew the answer to, and if this spirit was the girl I thought she was, she would too. I asked if she had siblings, and she said yes. I asked what color her house was, and she said blue. Then I asked what street she lived on, and she said Loomis. All of these answers lined up with a murder that happened in my town, Naperville, Illinois, in 1999. I used to live a mile or two down the road on the same street. We were officially creeped out, but not to be rude. We asked her to leave, and she said she didn't want to. We told her to please leave and that she can't stay, but that we wish her the best. On our way up from the basement, the old playroom that my friend hadn't used in years was wide open with a few toys out of their box lying on the floor like they were just used. It still seemed that she left, though, because my friend never mentioned anything weird going on in her house. This happened about an hour ago. My family was in the car since we came back from a restaurant, but a couple of hours before. My dad and two brothers were in London, exploring. We came across a man who was doing some tricks with a ball and three cups. If you were able to find out which cup had the ball inside, you would win the money. In the car, I asked my dad how did he think the trick was done, and he honestly didn't know and was struggling to explain how the man could have done it. I told my dad how I, I thought the man did it, and as I did, I saw my mom in the rearview mirror, smiling, but the smile wasn't ordinary. It was sort of sinister. I didn't think much of it and went back to using my phone. After a minute, I looked back at the rearview mirror and realized something. How could I have seen my mom in the rearview mirror if she was sitting in the passenger seat? I could only be able to see my dad, who was driving in front of me, and my brother, who was behind me. The car is a seven-seater. I asked my mom if she was smiling at me, and she said she hadn't even looked up from her phone on a while. I told her that she did, and she denied it. I believed her, because there was no way I would have been able to see her unless she was driving or sitting behind me. What the hell was that smiling at me? I wouldn't call it creepy, more like fascinating to watch. Once while tied up for a hurricane, I watched the storm surge coming in. It took a few hours before the storm was on top of us, and all the while there was wildlife scurrying around in a panic in the woods where we were tied off. The deer probably got out the earliest. There were sightings of rabbits, raccoons, squirrels, and other wildlife you would expect to see on the Gulf Coast, but they didn't stick around long. The ones that stuck around began spending their time swimming, so basically I was on a boat surrounded by muskrats playing in the rain, and they seemed to be having fun until the strongest winds started coming in. By that time, all the lines we were using for moorings were beginning to go underwater from the surge. The hurricane came in, did, its thing then passed, and the winds and rain started calming down. That's when I saw the things I would describe as fascinating. Boils of snakes floating around us, literally thousands of them. Some of those boils would come alongside our boat, and the crew members were quick to push them off when they started trying to climb up. Most of them were garter snakes, but who wants to take a chance with them, right? I saw piles of alligators floating by on driftwood, some trapped alongside us, just sitting there patiently waiting on the water to recede. So many frogs, I would guess, beyond many thousands that were picked up by the wind were on board. We were moving a 900-foot tow, and there were so many frogs you couldn't see the upwind side of it because so many frogs were clinging to it. I was still catching and releasing rogue frogs from the bilge months later. When the muskrats returned from wherever they were hiding, they seemed to want to take a shot at getting on board, too. Some managed to. Needless to say, we made it a point to keep all outside doors closed for a few days unless we absolutely needed to open one. 
I work on an oil exploration ship all around the world. I often go out onto the helideck at night to watch the stars and generally escape from the fact that I've pretty much been in prison for the last several weeks. One night in particular stands out to me. We were working in the North Sea about 200 miles offshore Norway. A heavy fog enveloped the vessel with the deck lights creating an orb of light only a few meters in diameter. When I stepped out onto the helideck, I noticed a strange sound all around the vessel. I stood silently and waited for my eyes to adjust to the darkness. The orb of light spread as my eyes adjusted, and I soon saw what was making the racket. Tens of thousands of sparrows were circling the vessel. A constant stream of them flowed past the lights. I stood there for about thirty minutes in complete disbelief at how surreal it was. Also, I was incredibly thankful it wasn't the shrieking eels. Oregon coast, about three miles out from Tillamook Bay. I was on a huge sailboat with some friends when out of Knoll, where a smell came like you have never smelled. A thousand farting Satans could not have produced such a horrible smell. No matter where we went, this dense, rotting fish smell saturated the air. Well, after a few hours of this, we had enough and turned sails to head in. Well, not 400 yards due east of our heading was something large bobbing in the water. Turns out someone cast a fishing net into the ocean and wrapped up a large barrel and either a whale calf or a walrus. It was horrible. I can still taste it today. I've told this before. On a camping trip about a year ago, I woke up to a howl in the middle of the night, deep in the distance, so it had an echo to it. Now, this is Pennsylvania Cook Forest, to be exact. I spent a lot of time alone in the woods as a hunter, camper, hiker, and I never heard anything like this. The only thing I can attribute it to was the sound you would think a monkey howling in the jungle would sound like. We were camping near a place that had pet deer but I know what deer sound like. This noise scared me. Three months babysitting and mansion in the middle of nowhere and renovation. I was there to keep urban explorers out the building. And others. It was far removed from any kind of civilized world. The nearest small village and gas station was approximately 80 kilometers. 50-ish miles. Away. First six weeks was fine. I was kind of bored and felt lonely at times. But I could always find things to do and or went exploring the surroundings myself. Week eight was when I noticed some small mental changes. I had conversations with myself. Week nine, ten, I began seeing things in the distance. I was sure a person was observing me from the tree line. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. If you're updating your closet for summer, you need dependable clothes that you can wear anywhere, whatever you're doing. And for that, you can look to American Giant. American Giant makes clothing of exceptional quality for people who want something more than the status quo offers. 
Whether you need to re-up on reliable everyday t-shirts, pick up a solid pair of shorts, or invest in a pair of durable jeans, American Giant is a better choice. They make everything right here in the USA, from start to finish. So when you buy from American Giant, you become part of creating jobs and improving local communities in towns and cities all across the country. And keeping things local ensures the kind of quality you'll feel and appreciate for years to come. Shop your new summertime closet staples at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your order when you use code WA23 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com with promo code WA23. It creeped me out. I maneuvered around the house trying to sneak up the intruder and confront him. Turns out it was just a bush moving due to the wind. The weeks after I became a bit unpredictable, a roller coaster. Still haven't seen a single person. No phone line, no television, no human voices. I could go from euphoric to depression within an hour and visa versa. My behavior became stranger. I had trouble falling asleep. Found myself walking around drunk middle of the nights through the woods, yelling and singing. Would you please shut the F up? We're trying to sleep here. I people, here, where? I located their camp. Didn't approach just yet, since they wanted to sleep. They made that perfectly clear. I only slept that night for three hours. I was so excited to have some human contact again. Six in the morning, it was getting light again, and I jumped out of bed, went to their location. They were awake, and I greeted them, went in for a talk. Surely they thought I was a bit weird, but it was just because I really missed human contact for ten weeks now. I couldn't care less who it was. Just someone to talk to that made all the difference. Week 12, I finally went home. I would never do such a thing again. Thought, oh, well, easy money, don't have to do shit. Just babysit this luxury mansion and renovations well. It wasn't so easy after all. It's mentally rather heavy. I, 17 female, had a creepy encounter the night I'm writing this. My parents opened up a haunted house in my dad's shop, and we had a few actors. Names were obviously changed to their role. The actors were me, my dad, my mom, my sister, bear, ghost face, cheerleader, alien prisoner, doll, and skeleton. I know it's a lot. Let me explain how the setup was. The shop has a store in the front, a gym in the middle, storage in the back. Dad would lead the patron into the storefront and ring the bell to let us know to get ready. Then the patron would pass Bear and Ghostface. Then they would get jump-scared by cheerleader, me, and prisoner, and then pass through the rest. Alien would follow them. Simple. So when we were near the end of our time, Dad let in a guy. You know, like normal. I don't want profile him, but he seemed to be of Arabic descent or Muslim because he seemed to be wearing his clothes. He should be known as Creepy Guy. I think now I should mention most of us are minors. Sister Bear, Ghostface, and Skeleton are middle schoolers and cheerleader. Alien and I are high schoolers. Creepy Guy touched Bear's shoulder and almost pulled a knife on Bear and Ghostface. After he passed them, he didn't notice cheerleader, but grabbed Alien and scratched his arm. After that, he stared at Prisoner and ignored me. He then started speaking in a different language. It sounded like chanting, but I don't know, toward Skeleton, Doll and Sister. Mom then ran him off. We were on edge for the rest of the night. I have three theories. Theory one. He was a druggy commonplace in my town. Theory two. He was a really religious man praying over us. Theory three, he was cursing us. I'm leaning towards two, but it was still creepy. I used to work at a small startup that had a small warehouse in the city. I enjoyed it because it had great benefits, perks, and a pretty easy commute. I just walked a few blocks to the metro line in our city. Usually I worked the day shift, so my walk to the station wasn't too bad. I just encountered normal city life, 
On the occasional time I worked into the night, I usually walked with some co-workers I knew or my then-boyfriend would pick me up. If I had to make the walk by myself, I'd wear giant headphones to deter catcalls and other annoyances. I had a doctor's appointment that morning and was allowed to make up my shift by staying after the day shift crew left. However, I finished my shift before the rest of the evening crew, which meant I made the walk by myself that day. It was already dark, and the street was pretty much deserted, except for this one really tall, burly dude walking just ahead of me, yelling into his phone. I had my headphones on, but nothing playing because I wanted to be aware of my surroundings. Big, burly guy sounded angry and didn't turn back to look at me until after he yelled into the phone. I did my part, and now it's up to you to get rid of the body. I don't care what you do, just make it disappear. Then he turned around and stopped walking, looking at me, surprised. I quickly stopped to not run into him and give an awkward grimace or smile, acting like I hadn't just heard him say that because I was listening to music. At the next crosswalk, I quickly crossed the street. He just stared standing in place until I was a block away and then turned the corner and disappeared. I don't know if this guy actually knew I was behind him and said that to scare me because he thought I was listening into his conversation. I hope, or he was up to no good. But that was super creepy. Never walked to the metro when it was dark after that by myself. Either had a ride a buddy to walk with. The story takes place in Pleasant Hills, Pennsylvania, Allegheny County, south of Pittsburgh. I grew up there and had a friend who lived about a mile and a half away from me. We didn't drive back then due to poor decision-making, so we had to walk everywhere. I'd walk down past the local borough building, cut up through the woods, and come out on the other side. It was a shortcut to bypass the huge hills we'd have to walk up. The beginning of the hill started in Pleasant Kingdom, a playground for kids that sits back off the road in the woods with tennis courts, basketball, and typical ground stuff. We used to sled ride there because the hill was pretty massive on the backside. That hill led to the opening of our shortcut. We were walking to my house one night, and we were almost clear of the woods. It was pitch black but we could see the playground lights at the bottom about 100 yards away when we heard a disgusting sound to our right. It sounded like something was eating something else and making crazy wild animal noises, but with a human undertone. I could hear the tree limbs shaking, but could not see anything. We bolted the last 100 yards downhill to the bottom and scratched our heads. We had no idea what it could have been but thought it might have been a bear. We weren't into Bigfoot back then, so it never crossed our minds. The only light was coming from the parking lot lights. It was me and my friend Steve and Jose. Josie was good at fist, fighting, and we were basically afraid of nothing, especially when we were together. We were just about to turn the corner to walk the path behind the borough building to my street. For whatever reason, we all looked over our shoulders. Steve said, WTF is, is that? We all saw it walk across the pavilion, upright from left to right and hide behind a tree. It was about 100 yards approximately and up the hill in the dark, but the light from the parking lot illuminated it enough that we could all see a tall gray-colored animal or man walk across the pavilion. Its head was level with a pavilion roof, easily eight feet tall. We stood and watched and then it simply peeked out from behind the tree, as if to get its eyes on all of us. At that moment, we all turned and ran as fast as we could to my house. We stopped short and looked at each other and asked, why are we running? It's like it telepathically jumped into all of our minds and said, boo, and made 38-year-old men turn and run like babies without even knowing what we had just seen. None of us knew what it was, but it bothered us for weeks. Until one day, Steve said, I think I know what we saw, and said Bigfoot. It clicked immediately. I knew right there that I wasn't crazy and that we had definitely seen and heard a Sasquatch. I would tell people my family and friends, and nobody believed us. But it affected me enough that 
I would join the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society. I would go on investigations to interview witnesses of reports, take pictures, and walk the sites. I have a lot of pictures still from some of the interviews I was on. I came to realize that Pleasant Hills is built on abandoned coal mines, and to find out that they travel the mines to stay out of sight. Pleasant Hills is not a rural area. There are houses and neighborhoods everywhere, but there are large woods between the three towns that separate each other. This is the main reason people had a hard time believing my story. I know what we saw. Steve and I are both still very much into Sasquatch. I need to just get this out. I grew up surfing in Southern California. In the summer of 1991, me and my friend were in the water for 30 minutes, and he told me he touched something and felt sick. He went back to the beach. Two days later, he said a doctor told him he had sickle cell anemia. Okay, the last we really talked about it, we were 15 years old. But I still remember, he said, I touched something. Six years later, I was in the water, and something felt weird about the whole day. Then it happened. The pain started with the slightest touch on the inside of my forearm. So bad my hearing and sight were interconnecting and started a confusion beyond any control. All of a sudden, a change in my body began. Cold, freezing muscles and nerves from my toes up my legs to my lower back. The pain worsened and hallucinations of an iceberg, bales of hay, pine trees, and even a little action figure that seemed so real it almost was like trying to be a hero. Then the creature I touched beneath me almost seemed to say, this is my planet, and just swam teasingly below me. A voice with the message, we are thousands of years old. It rang right through all this, almost hypnotic, like with no remorse. I then got a vision of a female, mermaid, light creature. Just take it. I said to myself, nothing, even close to this, has ever happened to you. The speed at which it was happening was unbelievably fast and precise. I thought of fainting or dying, which seemed possible, but I could still move and swim, which made it feel like it was like a test of will. Then a sudden change in my brain and my spine felt as if it was totally and completely connected and moving together. All of a sudden I felt it, what I thought was causing all this trauma. First it spun a web between my spine and skin on the very lower back as I tried to stretch it out. It started another above, but slower and with a different pattern that almost felt like it protected the first one. This put me into an almost hypnotic state as I felt it crawl up into my neck into the front right side of my brain and sit. It wiggled its legs and body, then turned to the right. The only thing I could think at that point was if I was crazy, I might have killed myself. All this is still within 15 minutes. Then my stomach began to feel numb and cold with my intestines slowly numbing. My right hip socket and femur started to act up. I could feel the whole thing precisely as it was evolving. Three little squares made an appearance to me, each like a growth, and to the exact make of my femur, the three squares attached my hip socket. This caused another hallucination, a doll action figure that had cloth clothing and detachable limbs. All are still within a 30-minute time limit. It stopped and I got out of the water. Later I learned that the clothed action figure was over 200 miles away, as if the the whole experience was that large and planned out. When I thought it was over or fading away, it told me differently. This is as real as it gets. Please let me know if you have any research on this. It happened many years ago to me, and I'm reliving it as I am becoming more normal. I have not contacted anyone because of my hypnotic state. I believe that was touched and communicated with a mermaid. This took place on November 15, 2012. I'm about to relay a story that few of you will believe. No, I'm not on drugs. I'm not kidding at all. Not one bit. If you disbelieve my eyes, do me a favor and keep it to yourself. I know what we saw. Has anyone ever seen a military craft like this? 
in the dome is a swivel seat in which I saw who I believe was a United States Marine pilot in a green pressure suit with no helmet. It sounded like a diesel train. Just before I saw it, there was a series of twister-like rotational updrafts off in the distance. It was capable of changing the bearing. Without changing the direction it faced, it can travel very low to the ground. When I saw it, it was about 200 feet in the air. The pilot noticed me, flew within one-eighth mile close to me, nearly hovering in one spot at one point, and then headed off into the commercial flight lines with an incredible capacity for acceleration, and was easily capable of speeds approaching what I considered to be a thousand miles an hour. I was in Vancouver, Washington, and the location I was at had a reasonably decent view of the flight lines that go to the coast, whereupon I normally watch the planes alter course and head north to Canada or south to California. It reached the point of breaking south within 30 seconds and then simply disappeared into the night. It's definitely a UFO to me, but at having seen the pilot, it was unmistakably a decorated military pilot at the helm. The height of the fuselage was about 10 feet tall, 15 feet wide at the nose, and 40 feet wide at the widest point through the stern. The pilot was about 30 years old, had dark hair and a military haircut, sitting in a pivot-style chair. The craft flew such that the stern was angled up from the elevation of the nose. I can't recall if I saw the bottom of the craft, but I remember wondering where the diesel train sound was coming from, and then I saw this in the air. I do not recall specifically any lights on the bottom of the craft, but due to the angle of the craft, the low proximity to the ground, and the distance away from me, I could not even see the bottom of the craft. I had someone with me at the time, and she saw this craft as well. The surface of the craft had a look of corrugated metal which would be used on an overhang for a backyard deck along the sides of the craft, and a flat mat of gray upper surface. The dome provided a 360 view of the surroundings. It was positively the most advanced aircraft I have ever laid eyes upon. I began experiencing anxiety, fatigue, insomnia, periodic headaches, unexplained cuts, scars, rashes, and bruises. I began having strange, confusing flashes of memory. At first, they were just a terrifying jumble of fragmented images, sounds, and sensation. After a few years of thinking, I was starting to crack up. They eventually started to come together and become more distinct and orderly. At this point, I have a pretty clear memory of what happened. It usually happens around 2 a.m. or so. If I'm asleep, I wake up in a panic, unable to move. All my hair stands on end, and I feel an odd sensation, almost like an electrical charge flowing through me. It's very difficult to breathe. A blinding light shines in through the windows, and tall, thin figures are standing all around me. I start hearing their thoughts in my head, usually something like, don't be afraid, or there will be less discomfort if you stop trying to resist. I raise off my bed, float outside, and raise up into the light. Here is where things vary a bit. Sometimes they just do some kind of scan. Other times they perform surgical procedures. I can remember having my head clamped in place, and needles or other instruments inserted into my skull, ears, or up my nose. Other times into my forearms or abdomen. At some point I lose consciousness and find myself back in my bed. I know there was at least once that they came when I was awake. It happened three years ago in mid-September. I couldn't sleep, so I was watching Netflix on my computer. Next thing I know, I'm waking up the next morning. I remember thinking how odd it was that I didn't remember going to bed. I made my way down the stairs where I noticed the door was open. I found my rifle laying on the front step next to three ejected rounds all three still intact except that their primers had been struck. So far I have not regained the memory of what happened that night. I'm not 100% sure this is related, but I just had to re-shingle my roof. I only put the new asphalt shingles on about three years ago, and they already started curling up and crumbling. They appeared to be scorched. 
When I was a young man, there were these things. I don't know if this was a dream or what, but it was constantly happening to me. These creatures would come into my room, and I would refer to them as babies. They were tiny little three, foot-tall creatures with heads that looked like pickaxes. Reminded me of the alien films, but not as frightening. Totally black-colored, like night black. The thing that got to me was that some of them had paper sacks with large, big black eyes. And like a few years ago, I saw that book, the cover of a book by, I think, Whitley Stryber, Communion. I don't know if that's what it was, but it scared the heck out of me. I don't know if that's what it was, but these things would come into my room at night and surround me, and they made this weird noise. It was kind of like a deep snarl but it was all out of sync, like there was a lot of them doing it. It was kind of like a weird breathing through your teeth noise. Some of it sounded like it was coming out of an electronic box or something. I only told my parents and one friend about it. It was like 18 or 19 years old. I can remember way back then it was always at this one old house that we lived at in Madison, Wisconsin. It's never happened after that. I think my parents just shrugged it off as, you know, whatever. I used to wake up on the floor under the bed sometimes. I don't remember getting there, but heck if I know. Guess I'll never know what it was. After I read Straber's books and stuff, I tried to think of any weird missing time type of thing or anything like that, and I can't think of anything that's happened since then, so it might have just been a type of dream thing or something. Who knows? I'm 30 three right now. Maybe I'm better off never finding out. My story happened so long ago, I'm not sure I even had children at the time, so it had to have been over 25 years ago. At the time, I was convinced our house in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania was haunted because of other strange things that had happened there too tired to type the rest of the stories. It is too long to type, but can share some of the other odd things another time. A friend and I were sitting in a room upstairs that was my living room at the time. She had been visiting. I wonder if she remembers this event, as at the time she was not in touch with this side of her that she now is aware of. Anyway, we were just hanging out, and we both saw what I call a mist come up the steps, and at the top landing it formed into a human shape. The closest description I can come up with is the look of beaming to places on Star Trek. As soon as I looked directly at it, it whooshed out of the human shape and into what was currently our upstairs bedroom, sort of like the lines of flight. I don't remember any sounds, but I remember feeling pretty creeped out and cold. The next, and only sighting, I had with that pixel-type figure was in my basement about 10, 15 years later. I actually put my hands in front of me because I felt I was going to run into it, and it just vanished into thin air. You know that feeling that you get if your eyes are closed or you are blindfolded and you can sense something in your personal space. That's how it was. This happened on March 13, 2017. My fiancé was out running errands, and I was home alone with our two kiddos. No big deal. It's just a regular day. I'm doing the dishes. I'm all wet and soapy, and wouldn't you know it, my daughter dumps a huge, ginormous bag of men into it. If you know how men are, they get in every little nook and cranny, like every little corner crack and crease. Like they are just everywhere. So here I am, all soaked and wet, and I need to start picking up these M&Ms. So I'm on my hands and knees, getting them out of every little crack I can, putting them in a pile so I can sweep them up, and then throw them in the trash. Meanwhile, while I'm picking up these M&Ms, my phone, my house phone starts ringing off the hook like someone keeps calling me and calling me. And I'm like, you, you know what, whatever, my hands are full right now, I'll get back to them. My caller ID will pick it up, and I'll be able to see who called, and I can call them back. If not, they can leave a message. No big deal, right? 
So I get them all in a pile and I pick up the phone to see who called, to see if it was an emergency, because they were calling nonstop. I thought it was going to be the same person calling again and again, trying to get a hold of me. Well, it ended up being my grandma, my dad, and my fiancé. So I saw there was a voice message. So this is where things get weird, but I, I don't know it yet. I don't know what's weird yet. To me, everything's normal. So I call my voicemail, and I'm listening to the message. The thing about my voicemail is that it, it will say, Message from blah, 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 and then it says their phone number. And then it says my grandma's phone number, and then I hear my grandma's voice. So I'm listening to her message, and literally halfway through, I hear my fiancé's voice. And I'm like, hello. And I'm like, really weirded out. We had this conversation, and in my head, I didn't even tell him that it's weird that I got randomly connected to your phone call because I was in the middle of listening to voice messages. Normally, when you take another call, you have to hit a button to go to the next line, but it automatically connected me, so I'm like, whatever, and we talk, and that's that. When I was on the phone with him, I explained to him all about tampons. Took him all through what different sizes, brands, and all that. And I told him what size and brand to pick me up, because I needed some tampon. So I hung up, and it's fine. I didn't listen to the whole message, obviously, because I got cut off, and I didn't even think to call back to listen to the whole thing. I go back to doing what I'm doing. I get dinner ready and stuff, and this is when I find out the day turned into a really weird day. So my fiancé comes home, and he brings in some bags. I'm looking in the bags, putting stuff away, and I'm like, Hey, where are those tampons I asked for? And he's like, What are you talking about? So now I'm like, you know when you called me and we had a conversation and I told you all about tampons and what kind I wanted. He was like, no. He looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, no, we talked. And he's like, no, we didn't, Amber. I called the house one time and you didn't answer or call me back. And I'm like, yeah, but okay. So I just dropped it because I'm already looking pretty crazy, right? So I got his cell phone, and I looked through the call log, and he was right. He only called me one time, and I didn't answer, so it hit me. It dawns on me later in the night that, hey, you know what, I never did finish listening to that message my grandma left me. So I called the voicemail, and I listened to the message, and it went through my grandma's phone number, that it was from her. It says her phone number, and then it starts the message. Partway through her message, I heard my fiancé's voice on the voicemail, and our voicemail had recorded that conversation that never happened, and it recorded his whole half of it. So when I would talk, it was just silence. But I heard his end of the conversation, the end that supposedly never happened, you know, and I put it on speaker and let him hear it. We were pretty spooked. It's freaky. For me, this whole time, I thought it was normal. But then when he got home, now listening to it, like, no, it really did happen. I'm not crazy. I didn't imagine that whole conversation. So it was like proof, you know. In one way, it's like, yes, I'm not crazy. But in another way, it's like, well, what happened? It's creepy. Like what could possibly happen where in my reality we had this conversation. But in his reality, we didn't. It's freaky. Long story short, my dad passed away in 2019. He was a local legend of a man, a crusty, harsh, hardcore old mountain man. When he passed, he had two small children that he was raising on his own, as their mother had pretty much abandoned them after getting cabin fever and falling into addiction. They lived totally off, grid in an area that is snowed in for eight months of the year. Anyways, when he died, I adopted the boys and have been raising them as my own. I'm their 48-year-old half-brother. So, that's the backstory. The kids are doing great, by the way. But I kid you not, Dad keeps visiting all these relatives and townspeople in their dreams. These are people who have no contact with one another. 
They always reach out to me to tell me the same thing, that Dad visited them in their dreams and had some sort of urgent message for me. They weren't sure what it was, just that he's been desperate to get to me, and I won't answer. It's the same mutual dream over and over among random people who don't know one another. Honestly, I'm a little freaked out. He wasn't exactly the nicest person to me, so I'm not thrilled with the idea of him reaching out from the great beyond with a message for me. Over the years, I've come to expect these messages from random, unrelated people, and I've never told anyone about this. I had a mild stroke earlier this month, and man, oh man, the old man must be desperate to get a message to me since then, because it's ramped up a lot this month. Hopefully, he's just trying to tell me to slow down and take better care of my health, because Lord knows he didn't. Well, we know how that turned out. But knowing the old man, he's probably pissed that I sold his beloved Unabomber cabin or something instead of giving up my life, moving in and raising the kids there, removed from civilization, which was his expressed desire. I'm without question that his soul is not at rest with that. His friends usually tell him in their dreams that the kids are doing great and that he can rest now, but he sure doesn't seem to want to.